It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. I was somewhat demoralized because I thought, boy, if he really believes this stuff, he has, you know, lost contact with, uh, with, uh, he's become detached from reality. And when I went into this and would, you know, tell him how crazy some of these allegations were, there was never, there was never an indication of interest in what the actual facts were. We're doing our job. Much of the info you're getting is false. It was far too early to be making any calls like that. The mayor was definitely intoxicated, but I do not um, know that his level of talk- intoxication when he spoke uh, with the president. That is a really disturbing montage. Sandy Rios with you. Happy to be back. Uh, first of all, Bill Barr, the attorney, former attorney general, these guys are testifying before the January 6th committee. And Bill Barr tells them, you know, this. It's ridiculous. These claims of voter fraud, they are bull, you know what. That's what he actually said. He said that the documentary 2000 Mules was singularly unimpressive. And, of course, we found out since then that uh, Attorney General Barr didn't even investigate, did not look into all the allegations. But he was an expert, after all. He lives in D.C., and everybody says it's not real. The voter fraud is false. There's nothing to this. It's ridiculous. Everyone in D.C. says that. I can tell you that's what they think. They don't really look at it. But because someone they saw and trust said that, that it must be true, and they're too lazy to do the work of finding out. I know this for a fact. People that are experts in a lot of fields that have articulate, capable degrees beyond measure don't really do their homework. And so Bill Barr now has joined that crew. And that's really so discouraging to me. And then, of course, uh, the others there were Bill Stepien, Trump's former campaign manager. Because if you dare say there was a, a problem with the voting in 2020 in D.C., well, you have um, cooties and you just might not be able to be hired anywhere else because heaven forbid, you know. All right. So uh, today I, I'm bringing this up because in uh, Houston, we have a problem. There's an election today, and just to give you a heads up, in Georgia, there's a runoff election. In Virginia, there's a primary, and we're going to go to Virginia in just a second. Uh, in Alabama, there's a runoff, and guess who's running? Someone that you need to know about, and that's a very important race, maybe the most important today. I, I don't know. It's hard to hard to categorize because uh, Mo Brooks is trying to win the Senate seat uh, against Katie Britt, who is, again, uh, Senator Shelby's former chief of staff. Katie has a, a beautiful girl, very engaging, but a a rhino, I didn't, uh, that's almost too cliche. Uh, Katie doesn't support voter fraud, uh, doesn't support the notion there was voter fraud in 2020. <laughs> I'm glad she doesn't support voter fraud. Uh, Katie doesn't care anything about January 6th detainees. 
Uh, Katie is a Chamber of Commerce, uh, big business, Republican. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, Mitch McConnell, Republican. Uh, do I need to say more about that? And Joe, Mo Brooks will not play the game with them. He will not. Uh, he's a fierce defender of uh, what's true, and he's proven his mettle. He's been on with us several times. So that's happening today. Those of you in Alabama, uh, look at the I Voter Guide, I Voter Guide, and, and check what these people actually believe in, and then go and vote accordingly. And then uh, in uh, in Georgia, in the House 10, I'll just point this out. I can't mention all of them, but the House 10 rate, there's a runoff race. There's a runoff between Mike Collins and Vernon Jones. Interesting. I've interviewed Mike Collins before. He's a, a Georgia businessman. I don't know much about – I really liked him as a person, but I can't say – uh, I don't. I can't say. You'll have to look yourself and pay attention. You're there closer, those of you in Georgia. Vernon Jones is the uh, black Democrat who fiercely defended President Trump during the 2020 election, and he switched parties. And he's the uh, he's running against Mike Collins. So that's that race there. Just something to watch. And uh, to kind of uh, piggyback off of the opening there, where. Uh, Attorney General, former Attorney General Barr, talked about you know there's just nothing to it. I can't believe. President Trump was listening to all of that notion about voter fraud, and that 2,000 Mules movie is just singularly unimpressive. Well, the problem is we are continuing to get information almost daily about voter fraud in the 2020 election, and I want to give you one right now that's really stunning. Uh, This came out, uh, let's see, just a few days ago. Okay, so uh, this is um, from, uh, it says, the Atlanta, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is the one that broke this story. A Democratic primary for a county in Georgia has been called into question after a hand count revealed that voting machines were off by thousands of ballots. Democratic DeKalb County School Board member Marshall Orson, who's running for the county commission, asked the local election board on Thursday not to certify those results because of numerous errors. Uh, He says there's no rational basis for believing that there are not continuing issues with the results, and the results should not be certified with the continuing existence of multiple substantive issues and concerns. Okay, so just to make this clear, this is a Democratic person, Marshall Orson, who did not win his race, and so he's demanding a recount. Now, the initial Democratic primary results, and that showed Orson was winning. He won for the Commission District 2. Uh, with uh, Lauren Alexander in second place and Michelle Long Spears in third. But there was a problem because when they looked at those results, well, Michelle Long Spears didn't get any votes at all. Or in most election precincts, she didn't get any votes at all. That seemed a little strange. So uh, there was an attempt to rescan the ballots, but ultimately they had to do a hand count. And guess what happened? The results were that uh, Spears, who was, you know, got hardly any votes at all in some precincts, is now in first place, heading for a June 21st runoff. And the guy that's challenging, Marshall Orson, the Democrat who was in first place, is now in last place. Now, isn't that strange? Isn't that strange? In fact, uh, the Spears, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Michelle Long Spears, who was in third place, has gained 2,600 votes. Now, this is a local election. 2,600 votes from the original matching count. Okay, well, you know, I just can't imagine that there's any problem with voting and with machines, you know, because Bill Barr said it's all bull, you know what, nothing wrong. It's President Trump was crazy to listen to these people that said there were problems with voting. And so uh, Raffensperger is even now in on this, meaning he's investigating 
uh, what happened with uh, a whistleblower who alleged that uh, a group he had participated in in 2020 together, he participated in a group that gathered ballots and was paid $10 for each ballot that they delivered, which goes right to the 10,000 mules, a commentary which Bill Barr says is singularly unimpressive. I would like to ask Bill Barr if he actually watched it. Wouldn't that be interesting to know? Probably not. Okay, so that's what we're up against. The intelligentsia of D.C. on both sides of the aisle think they're smarter than we are. They don't research. They don't know what they're talking about, but they're the ones with the power, with the media, with the microphone, with the loud voice. And so we're going to have to be, uh, we're going to have to just keep fighting. I've got so much to tell you. I need to move on quickly. Um, I want to remind you that uh, as they call the January 6th committee, as you know, after people for not believing the 2020 race was stolen. We've got people incarcerated in jail, held in solitary confinement, some for over 500 days, because they won't, you know, they won't recant their belief that there was a problem with the 2020 election. But uh, let me just remind you that the Democrats objected when Nixon uh when Nixon won in 1968, they just would not accept it. Hillary Clinton still says that President Trump did not win in 2016, that he's an illegitimate president. And the Democrats, trust me, in 2000 and 2004 and Bush v. Gore, uh, they, were, they railed against, they tried to get the Electoral College uh, vote stopped. Uh, they, they did all kinds of things. So, but, you know, nobody knows about that because really the only bad people in this are, well, John Eastman. Who suggested to President Trump, he's a constitutional scholar, and you know he's been a guest on this show a lot, that Vice President Mike Pence did not have to accept the electors as they were presented on that day in Congress. And he based it, he had wrote like a 20-page thesis on thesis, law, law opinion on this. Uh, and that he, because so many states were saying, wait, 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 we're learning about all this stuff in our states. We need to sort this out before you, before, there's a timeline in the Constitution. We need to sort this out before you accept those electors. So John Eastman said, you know, Mike Pence actually, it's not clear. I'm, this is my interpretation. It's not clear whether Vice President Pence, who was the one uh, presiding at that point, uh, could was forced to accept the electors presented to him, or if he could have said, used his uh, judgment and his uh, position in that moment to say, wait a second, we have a problem. We need to pause just for a little bit. Uh, but but see, what's happening in these dem- Democratic, the January 6th hearings right now is, uh, if you've been watching them, it's so disgusting to me, I can hardly bear it. Uh, but John Eastman now is just horrible. Did you know? Well, he presented a criminal a criminal theory. I didn't know that theories were criminal, but his is criminal about how President, Vice President Mike Pence could have uh, done things very differently, and he advised Mike Pence such well. So Mike Pence now is, and his staff, Mark Short, who was a never-Trumper, uh, from the time Mike Pence came into the White House, he appointed Mark Short. Many of us were, you know, just it was a gut punch because we knew Mark Short hated President Trump. So he was there in the White House advising, you know, uh, President Vice President Pence uh, while hating President Trump. It was always a double game, always a double game. And so now, and then Mike Pence's attorney, who went against John Eastman's advice, said before the January 6th committee last week that people who believe that the election was stolen and uh, still support President Trump are a danger to this country. That's what Mike Pence's uh, attorney said. Now, I want to say something to you. What's coming across in these 
uh, hearings is that Mike Pence was the hero. They were saying that. The media's loving this. Fox is saying this. And I just want to ask you to think about something. If you don't believe me or take me at my word, I want you to consider something. A lot of times if I'm trying to figure out if somebody's telling the truth or if they're working an angle or, you know, what the real story is here, I look at what they have to gain by what they're doing. John Eastman had nothing to gain by defending President Trump and by encouraging President, Vice President Pence to stop, pause, wait a second. Their states are crying out for you to stop, and you can't do this constitutionally. He had nothing to gain by that. He already knew he was swimming upstream with a legal, uh, you know, here he was. Uh, he had a great position at uh, something Chapman Law School in, uh, in, in California. He had nothing to gain by taking this stand. And Vice President Pence maybe had something to gain, like maybe a path to the presidency by refusing uh, to allow um, another uh, set of electors to be considered and to take a pause while they figured that out. So who had something to gain here? John Eastman is now being painted as a villain. He's under terrible attack. He's had to sell his home. Uh, Mike Pence is like, you know, he's got a whole organization he's working on becoming president. He hasn't declared that yet, but we know that's what he's doing. Who had something to gain on that day and who had a great deal to lose? You know what my opinion is, and I'm very upset about it. And by the way, speaking of what's happening there, now the J6 committee has subpoenaed Jenny Thomas. Uh, They are asking her to turn over all of her correspondence with John Eastman because, of course, he's a liar and did something criminal by suggesting and writing a legal opinion that Mike Pence, the vice president, could have not certified those electors. He could have done that constitutionally. But that's criminal, according to the J6 committee, according to Fox, when you listen. I mean, uh, John Eastman is like, you know, the terrible. And now Jenny Thomas, who knows John Eastman, must have corresponded. She must have coordinated. And she's the wife of Clarence Thomas. So let's get her in here and let's make her turn over all of her correspondence. And we'll do the same thing to the wife of a sitting Supreme Court justice. And therefore, and by doing so, can harm this justice and make him recuse himself when these election disputes bubble up to the top and he's sitting on the court, he'll have to recuse himself. It's a great plan. And Mike Pence and his team, Mark Short and his attorney, are cooperating with this plan. So you do with that what you will. But that's the truth. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Telling Bibleists, persecuted believers, no, that's one of the hardest things we do at Bible League. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth, and I want to give you an update on our campaign stand with them. You know, Paul wrote, the persecuted, they may be persecuted, but they're not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. You know, for weeks we've been telling you about Christians who are praying for Bibles in order to endure and persevere. Ahmad is in Malaysia. He's a civil engineer, was beaten. When he came to Christ, he's praying for a Bible. Adesh is in Nepal. He's a tour guide near the Himalayan mountains. He was beaten, but he's praying for a Bible in the Nepalese language. And then Einar is in Zimbabwe. She's a widowed mother of three. Her husband was killed by the Boko Haram regime. She's not praying for an end to her suffering. She's praying for a Bible. We're in the final few days of this effort to send God's word to 16,000 Bibleless persecuted believers. We're short of this goal and we need to wrap up in the coming days. So at $5 a Bible, $100 since 20, will you call 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD. Or give at sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. You know, a lot of times you have to choose between something high quality or something that saves you money. But if you can get both... 
Why not? Especially when it comes to healthcare. And that's MediShare. You get both. The typical family saves 500 bucks a month switching to MediShare. And that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. It's because MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge PPO network. So, yeah, really, you could save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. If you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. Here is the number you need. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. Hey, this is Evangelist Nick Hall coming this summer, Together 22, 50 years ago, Explo 72, led by Billy Graham, rallied an entire generation to share the gospel. This summer, June 24th and 25th, we're doing it again, and it's free. Together 22 will feature some of the biggest names in Christian music, some of the best preachers coming to equip you. More information at Pulse.org. President Biden fell off his bicycle over the weekend. The only thing that was bruised was his ego. Much like the many times the president has stumbled trying to climb up the stairs on Air Force One. Now, some will question whether the bicycle incident is another example of his declining mental capacity, whether he still has the stamina to be president, whether he even had it in the first place. But it's also a metaphor for his presidency. No doubt the United States has become a raging dumpster fire. The border's been completely overrun. We're fighting a proxy war with the Russians in Ukraine. Our respect on the world stage is in shambles and the economy's a mess. People are struggling to fill up their gas tanks, even put food on the table. The Biden presidency has fallen, and it can't get up, America. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Here locally, the Fairfax County School Board voted Thursday night and made it possible for students as young as fourth graders to be suspended for, quote, malicious misgendering. Now, the terminology here can be confusing, and simply not having a good filter as a kid could get you in trouble in Fairfax Public Schools. Take a look at what some of the parents are saying. And things that, frankly, even adults struggle with, as we know. At that age, it's really important to just kind of major on the majors, you know, the reading and the writing and the arithmetic. Too far, too much, too young. That That's the easiest way to see it, say it. Some of the things that kids are being um, told in school or even literature that they're receiving in school is if you sold it on the street or if you had it on the street, you'd be criminalized for it. Too far, too much, too young. That does really sum up a little bit of the sentiment here. Now, just for our viewers, we're going to show you the definition in this 70-plus page handbook for students. Misgendering is, quote, the act of labeling others with a gender that does not match their gender identity, meaning if the student is going through a transition and you refer to them as their previous gender, then you're in violation. Now, what the board did, Aisha, is they updated this handbook. The rule was actually there last year to not go as young as fourth grade. 
All right. That's a report from Fox. And it just reminds us, uh, again, of what, you know, this this happened all over school districts around the country. But Virginia got the focus of the attention. They, they waged a fierce battle against what school boards were doing to their children. And so one might wonder, you know, what's happened since then? There is an election in Virginia today, a primary. Lots of people are running for positions, and a lot of things are at stake. It's fact, it's the only state today that has an actual full-blown primary. And so uh, we've asked our good friend, Delegate John McGuire. He's been in the Virginia Assembly since 2017. Uh, John is a former Navy SEAL, and he owns a business called, what's it called, SEAL, SEAL Team PT, which uh, is a fitness organization dedicated to helping teams and individuals become stronger, healthier, and more confident. John was wounded, uh, and I've met him several times. John is just a great guy. I want to read to you what the people in, uh, at Goochland say about him, that um, he's a Christian, a true conservative, a fearless fighter that won't back down from adversity, and someone that works harder than any other elected official, second only to Trump. And with that, welcome to the show, John. It's nice to talk to you. Hey, good morning, Sandy. It's good to be on your show again. And uh, yeah, Trump was amazing, wasn't he? During, uh, he was. During my, last elec- during my last election, a Republican told me I better not put a Trump flag on my pickup truck. So I put two Trump flags on my pickup truck, and I had the <laughs> second largest win in Virginia. <laughs> I know. I, it's crazy. You know, John, it requires um, really, um, I try to instill this in my in my listeners, it requires a backbone of steel to just stand firm and stand your ground because the lies are overwhelming. I just got through talking about the lies about the election, 2020 election, Attorney General Barr calling it BS and all of that. And when you're in the D.C. area, I should say, tell people for you, uh, it's even harder because the uh, the the voices are so loud, and you become just like the only voice, and you just have to s- just stay say the truth, just what you did. Double down, you doubled down, and that's what we have to do. But uh, let's talk about. I know you have you guys have a lot of races, or at least some. We don't want to talk about all of them, but what are some important races happening in Virginia today, so that people will kind of have some clue about what they might do? Well, we have a lot of uh, primaries for Congress today. Uh, the big one that I'm concerned about is uh, Abigail Sandberg, the Democrat. She votes 90-some percent of the time with Nancy Pelosi, and she votes 100%, 100% of the time with the uh, Biden administration. So there are six Republicans in that uh, primary today to hopefully take her out in November. Well, I think we will. And uh, I'm supporting Yesley Vega. She's a true con- a Christian conservative. And I think our country is in desperate need of uh, conservative, Christian conservative leadership. And so I'm supporting her, and we're praying and hoping that she'll get it done today. There are You're not the only person supporting her. She has the support of like a whole host, I wish I had the list in front of me, uh, of uh, Virginia conservatives who are like the, the hardliners, the people like you and me, uh, and whose names are recognized. I think Ted Cruz, I can't, I can't, Dave Bratt is supporting Esley Vega, so people need to know that. And oh, Abigail yeah. Sten- Stenberger is the one who uh, actually uh, beat uh, Dave Bratt, right, in his, when he was ousted yes. from Congress a couple of years ago. Yeah, That's right, she did. And then, uh, you know, she's, uh, she's barely hung on. Reed Disserton moved her district up north uh, to Dale City, that area. Uh, but Esley Vega, you know, is a, is a police woman. She's a deputy sheriff, so we know where she stands with law enforcement. You know, over the last two years under Democrat rules, our police have been shot, they've been demeaned, and they've been defunded, and they've been told to stand down. 
you know, without our men and women in law enforcement, we would not have a country. And so we know where she stands with that. Certainly being a Christian conservative is strong, but she is a member of the Board of Supervisors up there, so her name ID is good. Uh, But she's got, like I said, she's got five other Republicans she's run against. But I endorsed her, and then shortly after, Dave Bratt endorsed her, and then shortly after that, Bob Good, congressman, endorsed her. And, of course, I was with her and Ted Cruz for a get-out-the-vote rally last night. So I think she's got our folks on her side. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a re- that's a race to watch for sure. You know, I started out by playing this clip about just kind of an update of what's happening to the school boards. And, you know, from this distance, uh, it just seems like I find myself wondering, John, if parents have made any progress at all with these school boards. And I also find myself wondering if Glenn Youngkin has made the difference that you guys expected him to make uh, before he was before he was actually in office. Those are two questions, but can you answer those? Well, I would say that you know the school board. I got to give Loudoun County, generally a Democrat area. I got to give them credit because they uh, got name ID worldwide for standing up against CRT. And I think McCullough certainly made a mistake in that election, but I think that uh, Governor Youngkin did a great job of getting suburban moms to recognize that children are number one, and we need to get these divisive ideologies that teach our children to hate out of the classrooms. So he won the election in November, and but we have a Democrat state Senate. And just about everything we tried to do this year in the General Assembly, the Democrat state Senate tried to block it. And so uh, obviously you heard about the uh, charter schools, school choice, and the lab schools. Governor Youngkin during this last uh, session tried everything to give us a 90-day gas tax holiday. Democrat state Senate blocked it, blocked it, blocked it, and we didn't get it. We also tried to put a Hyde Amendment, you know, to, uh, so that we don't use taxpayer dollars to pay for abortions. Uh, you know, life is a miracle, and that's like the number one thing. I mean, it must be protected at all costs. And I've been reading the Constitution since I was a kid. Nowhere in that Constitution does it give us a right to abortion or to take a life. And so we've got to, we've got to stop this state Senate. So we're making progress with the local school board, but and, and I would tell everybody, certainly the federal stuff is important, the governor's stuff is important, but we've got to get these supervisors and these school board folks in place so we can stop this craziness. Is there, uh, are there Senate races today that are up on this primary? There's no, no Senate races Senate. today. Next year, the state Senate races uh, next year or the entire General Assembly will be up for election so we'll okay. have, out of 140 legislators, that's 100 delegates and 40 Senate, state senators, 60 of us are put into the same district. So people are going to move, they're going to retire, or they're going to be fighting each other. They actually took my House of Delegates seat and chopped it into five pieces, which is unheard of. And that means five different members of the House of Delegates will represent my district next year. So when God shuts one door, he opens another. They put me inside a new state Senate seat. And I'm the only member of the General Assembly in this new state Senate seat. So I don't, this might make you laugh, but I'm running. It's not funny what the Democrats are doing in our country, but I'm running for state Senate so that we can un-California Virginia. And it starts with election integrity, right? Yep. Yes, it does. As a matter of fact, I, that's a theme for me, John. I'm just so, I'm so exorcised over what's being said and the narrative that they just keep forcing down our throats like we're idiots. And I just try to, I want people to just stay strong and don't believe lies. Just, it doesn't matter if you're the only person in your family, if you're the only person in your neighborhood, 
uh, as it, you have to hold to the truth. And the truth is that the election 2020 was uh, had so many black marks on it from so many different angles. And this stuff is true. I'm not oh, saying yeah. everything everyone is alleged is true, but much of it is proven now. And people are slogging away. Uh, to prove that there are serious problems. And I just mentioned one in Georgia that came out, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported on the machines messing up in an area. So, uh, so John, um, you know, uh, before you joined me, I talked about Attorney General Barr calling the documentary 10,000 Mules, uh, just, I forgot what he said, something about not, not believable, something like that, just r- dismissed it completely. Um, you are getting ready to, you're sponsoring a showing of that very controversial showing of that uh, tomorrow night at Goochland High School, which I've been many times speaking. The Goochland Tea Party are such good friends to me. Uh, but you're going to be uh, hosting a showing of that. Can you tell us what that's all about and, and what obstacles you've gotten? Oh, sure. Well, the Goochland Tea Party is amazing. I'll tell you what, they are out there every weekend in the heat, eight, ten hours a day, giving out Trump signs, bumper stickers, T-shirts, and helping Republicans across the board get elected. I mean, if we had that in every county in Virginia, uh, we would be one of the most red states. So I really appreciate their help on this. I, on the, in the House of Delegates, I'm actually on privileges in elections. So I, I was in the trenches. I saw firsthand what this full Democrat rule in Virginia has done to our election law. You know, we need free, uh, in free and safe elections in Virginia and our country for our republic, for our democracy to uh, succeed. And what they did during Trump's election is they changed the rules in the middle of the game with these drop boxes. And we went from election day to election season. And uh, Yunkin was really smart. The Democrats complained that the Republicans were guarding the drop boxes uh, during Yunkin's election because that's what they did during uh, the 2020 election. They had these drop boxes everywhere, and we didn't know who was stuffing what and when. So um, I, reached, I reached out to Dinesh D'Souza. I got a hold of him personally, and he knows about my service as a Navy SEAL. He knows I'm a, a member of the, uh, an elected official in Virginia, and, and they believe I'm the only elected official in Virginia who had, well, I have to use the word, different words than they use, cojones to show his movie. But it should be First Amendment. It should be First, uh, you know, first, you know, first Amendment free speech to show a movie. And it shouldn't be controversial. If you like the movie, that's cool. If you don't like the movie, that's cool. But by putting that movie up there, we've had uh, different hate groups reach out and try to block us. And if they thought it was such a safe election and it was no big deal, why are they making such a fuss that we might say, uh, question the integrity of the election or that we might show this movie? So it's going to be Thursday, this Thursday, 7 p.m. at Gooseland High School, which is 3250 River Road West in Gooseland County, Virginia, and uh, you got to RSVP. It's uh, my email address, which is J-O-H-N at McGuire4Virginia.com. That's M-C-G-U-I-R-E-F-O-R, and then Virginia spelled out dot com. And uh, we're hoping to have a great turnout. We've got people all around this new Senate District 10 that I'm running for, and people even outside of it, and people who know that Joe Biden couldn't get 10 people at a rally, and President Trump did more in four years than any president ever did in eight years, lost that election. It's just not right. Yeah. Let me repeat your email address and also tell you that we will put this information on our Getter outlet. That's where people look for information from this show, but some can't access that. So let me repeat. You need to RSVP for this. If you're in Virginia, 
It's tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Tomorrow night? No, Thursday night uh, at 7 o'clock at Goochland High School. And you can, you can Google that. Google that address, Goochland High School. Uh, and it's you can RSVP at John at McGuire, M-C-G-U-I-R-E, for Virginia. John at McGuire for Virginia.com. Uh, so we'll put that again on our getter page. I want to say something about this movie. Uh, John, we, uh, Catherine Ingerbrecht of To the Vote is a good friend. Uh, we had, before the movie came out, Catherine was our guest, and she explained, at least in part, she couldn't go into it, but they used geotracking uh, to track these mules who were, uh, as we understand it, paid $10 for every ballot that they harvested and put them in the drop boxes. And this happened all over the country, especially in the swing states. It happened in Georgia. It happened in Virginia. Um, and so uh, people, ha- I can't even be specific. I wish I could play clips of all these pundits who said it's ridiculous, the notion that they would do this. How could they? How could that ever be possible? And we know that, we know now, don't we, John, that geotracking is actually the same thing the government uses. It's what the government used to track mm-hmm. all of the people that went to Jan- to the, the Capitol on January the 6th, to track their location, their travel, where they ate, uh, where they got gasoline, where they stayed in a hotel. Is it not? I mean, this is actually the ability that the government has to track us, that that was used by um, uh, True the Vote. Is that correct, John? That is correct. And uh, yeah, when, when the time is right, I'll give people some advice for this year. Well, you know what? Do that right now, please. So what I would tell everybody is that, you know, we live in the greatest country in the history of man. The media is steering us. The media is certainly part of the Democrat Party. And, you know, if you're on a basketball team and you hate your basketball team, you're never going to win a game. We have to have the American flag everywhere. We have to teach patriotism. We have to teach people about our Constitution. What we need everybody to do is get involved and get their friends involved. It may be uncomfortable, but we've got to get election uh, watchers. We've got to get people to go to the polls and volunteer. And we've got to have overwhelming force at every precinct, whether it's a Democrat district or not. And then if we can win uh, in Virginia, for example, if we can get the um, House of Delegates back next year and get the state Senate, then we can un-California Virginia and we can actually eliminate these bad election laws that the Democrats put in place that rigged the whole system. This 45 days, no voter ID they did a poll that said 77% of Virginians uh, believe you should have a voter ID. So, of course, I put that bill in this year, and the Democrats killed it. The reason they're killing these ideas, it makes it harder for them to cheat. So we need people to get involved, volunteer, be there, and observe what's going on. It makes it harder for them to cheat. And then we've got to win. And when we win, we can have a better future for America. John, that's great. You know, uh, that's great. And uh, after serving as a Navy SEAL for those 10 years, this is this is just another way of fighting. I know it's a calling, you know, calling, you're not using your the muscles of your body and your training in that way, but you are applying that strong will and love of country now to save the, the life of this country in a very different way. And so I salute you. You've been serving, by the way, uh, since 2017, I think, in the House of Delegates, and now he's going to be running for Senate in Virginia. For those of you in Virginia listening in 2023, be sure that you vote today because the the primary is today. Uh, John McGuire, thank you. Um, by, the, by the way, 2,000 Mules is going to be at Thursday night at Goochland High School for you Virginians uh, at 7 o'clock, and you can respond to John at john at com. John, thanks so much for joining me. It's just great to talk to you. Thank you so much for everything you're you doing. Too. Okay. God bless we'll talk you. Ag- Thank you. Yeah, God bless you too, John. Thanks so much. All right. Well, listen, um, it's again, let me remind you, Georgia has the runoff today.
Virginia as a full-blown primary, and Yesley Vega is the uh, the person that John is just uh, telling us that he's supporting, Ted Cruz is supporting, Dave Brad is supporting, and so you might want to think about that. And also in Alabama, do not forget, those of you in Alabama, in Alabama, uh, don't forget that uh, Mo Brooks is running against Katie Britt. It's a fight to the finish. Uh, Mo has the disadvantage of, you know, the hatred of all the Republican establishment. And uh, Katie Britt has the love of the establishment. So you need to make your choice and make it. Go to that poll and make a difference in this country. That's how we fight. Right now, that's how we fight. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. A baby's cry. It's the sound of God's gift of life that began at conception. The church needs to speak out on the sanctity of life, but believe it or not, there are those in the church who disagree. Dr. Michael Brown says the early church was always clear, abortion is sinful. His article, What the Early Church Said About Abortion, will stir us to unite on that fact, but it also reminds us of God's mercy and forgiveness. You can read this article at afa.net slash the stand. Trump derangement syndrome was a virus that spread like COVID. And CNN decided, you know what? We're not going to do news coverage anymore. We're going to go full board against Trump. You're driving your business in the ground. Yeah, Yeah. that's why I think they should take this opportunity and go back to doing news instead of doing progressive propaganda. Today's issues, weekday mornings at 11 Eastern, 10 Central on American Family Radio. So Aaron took it as Moses said and ran into the midst of the assembly. And behold, the plague had already begun among the people. And he put on the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living. And the plague was stopped. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Often when the concept of intercession is raised, we normally think about prayer. And we should. Prayer is one form of intercession. Here we see another, living intercession. At the climax of a plague, Aaron runs into the fray, armed with incense, and where he stands, the plague stops. Aaron literally stands between the living and the dead. May God move us to be living intercessors for our day, and where we take our stand in Christ, the plague stops. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, watching your hard-earned dollars just flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option called MediShare 65+. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills, and it really is a community. People encourage and pray for each other. And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B that fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. It's great for peace of mind. And you can use your Medicare-approved doctor and get prescription savings, dental and vision savings. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're great to talk to on the phone. Here's the number. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. 
This is Frank Effney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The election of an erstwhile narco-terrorist leader to be Colombia's next president moves Latin America to the brink of being entirely run by this country's enemies. With the fall of Peru and Chile to communists last year and the prospect that Brazil's electorate may soon return to power, its former radical leader, Lula, an enduring ascendancy of indigenous Marxists, seems assured. Worse yet, external forces are at work there as well. The Chinese communists and their Russian and Iranian allies are aggressively expanding influence operations, infrastructure buildouts, and basing arrangements that will strengthen their footholds in the Western Hemisphere under the banner of today's Communist Internationale, known as the Forum of Sao Paulo. No good can come of all this for U.S. commercial or strategic interests or the flow of still more illegal aliens fleeing leftist predations. Paging President Monroe. This is Frank Afney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Donald Trump now, quote, clings to more fantastical theories, such as Dinesh D'Souza's debunked 2,000 mules, even as recounts in Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin confirm Trump lost. Those are the correct conclusions to draw from the evidence gathered by this committee. Thank you, Liz Cheney. Problem is, we can read for ourselves, and we actually have other sources besides you, and I'm so grateful. And I, again, I say I don't know what happened to Liz Cheney. I used to just absolutely respect her so much. I knew her not well, but personally, when I was back at CWA, uh, her and her mom used to come to some of our events. Uh, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I can't believe anything she says. I could see it being deluded or misguided, but now she's she's gone to the realm of lying. You know, like in that committee, when they are editing people's testimonies. Of course, people are, you know, happy to come in and betray President Trump and throw John Eastman and others under the, they're, they're you know, climbing out of the woodwork because that gives them a future in D.C., you see. Uh, that's that's a great way to be. I mean, just think again of Vice President Pence, how great this is for him. This is great because his, it, um, you know, hinted at run for president hasn't gotten much traction. But man, now look at this. Even the, the press is, you know, talking about what a hero he was on that day. And, have, you know, Mark Short is um, talking about how horrible President Trump was and, uh, the attorney for Mike Pence is calling us, those of us that supported President Trump and believe there was election fraud, uh, a danger to the country. So this is good, good for some people, good for some people, but uh, not so good for others. There are some, of course, that are in uh, solitary confinement for 22 out of 24 hours a day, paying a terrible price. And as I said to you before, Look at the price that someone must pay, what the results will be if they take a certain stand. And you can often determine who's telling the truth and who isn't. And so um, I think of that, you know, people use the illustration of the disciples. Uh, if they were lying about the resurrection and about the truth of that Jesus was the Son of God, well, they lied to the point of, you know, being brutally killed, almost all of them, except for one. That tells you something about the veracity of their statements, doesn't it? So just saying. But, you know, a lot of people suffered uh, on uh, from January 6th. In fact, uh, Brian Stelter did an interview with two journalists who were just, just wounded. Clip one. Let's listen. 
Grace, you wrote for Pointer at the end of January last year. You said, sometimes I'm fine. Sometimes I want to sob for hours. Sometimes I just want to sleep. So that sounds to me like trauma. That sounds like PTSD. Do, do you feel like you still experience that? I do think so, to a certain extent. This morning when I got on the train to come down here and see you, Brian, I was looking at the Capitol Dome. Right. And, you know, my parents recently came down to visit me, and we were near it, and I remember thinking to myself, man, I can't wait until I can look at this and not feel sad. Yeah, so, and you know, the journalists, they suffered so much from what happened on that day. Adam Kinziger suffered, suffered too. It just really breaks him up. Let's listen to clip three. Talk about the impact of that day. But you guys won. You guys helped. You know, democracies are not defined by our bad days. Well, um, it's a good thing. I bought, uh, Congressman Kinzinger, who hates President Trump and is sitting proudly on the January 6th committee, uh, happily editing video on making people look like criminals who aren't criminals, uh, you know, that, that, and what has Adam Kinziger got to gain? I don't, I don't know. I don't I have to think about that. What does he have to gain? And what does Liz Cheney have to gain? She's getting ready to lose her seat in Wyoming. I think her opponent is ahead by 70%, something like that, something wild like that, like 70 percentage points. It's a, it's a strange time. And then, um, so the, um, so, uh, you know, we just interviewed uh, John McGuire, who was a Navy SEAL, and remind, reminded me of things that are coming out from the military. And in fact, I'll just play this one for you. This is a Navy training video. I, John, if you're still listening, I, I'm sorry to play this. It must be like a knife to your heart and all the men and women who served so faithfully and what was such a proud, powerful institution, the, the American Navy, the U.S. Navy, who won World War II for the world, uh, who showed their courage in, in so many ways. I, I knew, uh, I can't even think of his name, one of the the admirals of the, uh, one of the, uh, I can't think of his name, so I shouldn't have mentioned it, but I knew him, I had the, the fortune of meeting him and being with him. He died just a few years ago in his 90s, just as smart as he ever was, just so proud. That's the American Navy, but this is the American Navy now, clip 19. Hi, my name is Johnny and I use he, him pronouns. Hi, and I'm Kanchi and I use she, her pronouns. And we're here to talk about pronouns. What is a pronoun? A pronoun is how we identify ourselves apart from our name, and it's also how people refer to us in conversations. Using the right pronouns is a really simple way to affirm someone's identity. It is a signal of acceptance and respect. If it's a signal of acceptance and respect, how do we go about creating a safe space for everybody that's a good question. A really good way to do that is to use inclusive language. Instead of saying something like, hey guys, you can say, hey everyone, or hey team. Yeah, and now that you say that, another way that we could show that we're allies and that we accept everybody is to maybe include our pronouns in our emails, or like we just did, introduce ourselves using our pronouns. Okay, that's well, what enough. Would I do that's enough. I, you know, I hope that they institute that, you know, as the Navy goes to war against China, which is getting ready, I guarantee you, making their plans to come after this country, and for heaven's sake, why wouldn't they? I hope the Navy stays faithful to their pronouns as they're fighting that battle on our behalf. Oh, I actually, I hope they're thinking about how to fight the battle instead of thinking about their pronouns. It is beyond... 
imagination beyond outrageous. It is tragic. It is really the end of a great country when this starts happening. By the way, the Secretary of State, uh, Anthony Blinken, uh, was at a press conference on Thursday. It was actually, let's see, it was the first ever, the State Department's first ever briefing for LGBTQI reporters. And Anthony Blinken said to the press that he talks about LGBT rights with his Saudi Arabian counterpart invariably in every conversation. And so I, I just think that's that's important, isn't it? I mean, aren't you glad the Secretary of State of the United States is lobbying the Saudis to accept LGBTQI persons? That's that is a priority for sure. The State Department wouldn't have anything else to do, would they, like the best interest of the United States? No, no. Or the the, the lack of oil, the rise of gas prices, uh, international conflict with potential with China and uh, North Korea and, oh, you know, a few other bad actors. Oh, no, we've, we're working on LGBTQ rights and, yeah. But, you know, history, as they always tell us, they, they were on the right side of history. So West Point now has uh, now schooling their, uh, according to Judicial Watch, West Point is now being schooled cadets in whiteness and queer theory. So, and also uh, race privilege, uh, structural advantage. And there's something else about the, I'm sure it's pronounced too. I can't remember the whole thing. But um, yeah, so now West Point, this is the Army then, the Army branch. The Navy and the Army, they're doing great. They're preparing everyone for war so handily. So when you get the news, you turn on your TV and some strike has occurred on our shores, you be on, better be on your knees because I don't think today's military under the leadership of Commander-in-Chief Joe Biden will be able to protect the American people. What a shameful, horrible place to be. And that brings me to the next clip, which I'm going to let Tucker Carlson tell. If you have children, it's a good time. Probably don't have them listen to this, okay? This is drop This is drop your jaw time. Tucker Carlson, I'll not even set it up because we're running out of time. This is Tucker. I think it was last Friday. This is clip 15. This has been out there for a while. It should have been the focus of a lot more attention than it has been. We hope to change that. So here, once again, are the words from Ashley Biden's diary. Quote, I have always been boy crazy, she wrote, hypersexualized at a young age. I remember somewhat being sexualized with a family member. I remember having sex with friends at a young age. Showers with my dad, probably not appropriate. So Ashley Biden wrote this in the context of her struggle with sexual compulsiveness in later life. And she attributes those compulsions to the fact that her father took showers with her in a way that was, quote, not appropriate. Now, we have no reason to doubt that what she wrote is true. She did not write this for public consumption. She wrote it in a diary that, as you just heard, she accidentally left behind in a halfway house in Palm Beach, Florida, in June of 2020, during the presidential race. The woman who took the room that she left, a single mother, found that diary under the bed. Now, if you are the father of daughters, ask yourself, is there any explanation for that behavior that is justifiable? And there's not. It's sick and it's horrifying. Now, Ashley Biden doesn't say how old she was at the time she showered with her father, but obviously she was old enough to remember doing it. And by the way, little kids don't take showers, they take baths. Inappropriate showering with your own daughter? If that's not child molestation, it is definitely close enough to justify a police visit. 
But the police have not visited Joe Biden. They're not investigating this. Instead, the FBI is breaking to the homes of journalists who brought it to public attention. And now, according to the Daily Mail, again, you just heard this, the feds are investigating a woman called Amy Harris, who had the misfortune of finding the diary. To be clear, none of these people committed crimes, certainly not federal crimes. Okay, so I haven't heard that anyplace else. If you think that made me happy or makes me happy, you'd be wrong. Uh, I've told you before that I knew that when President Biden was vice president, he used to swim in the, the pool at his home in the nude. The, the female Secret Service agents would ask him not to do that. They begged him not to do that, and he ignored them and did it anyway. He was accused when he was running for office of raping one of his staffers, credible, and then the Believe Every Woman movement just defamed her. And she's actually a very credible witness. She's not the only accusation against Joe Biden. We have, you know, tons of video of him sniffing little girls' ears, of inappropriately coming close to them. There's a whole, there are whole montages about that. Ladies and gentlemen, is there any reason to wonder why this country is so filled with perversion and decadence? Because we have allowed people to be elected to office whose life practices can't even be spoken about, shouldn't be spoken about, should not even be thought about. And these are the people leading us. Uh, it's time for repentance as a people, personal repentance. And if God should grant it, uh, then we need a new beginning in this country. But the only way that's going to happen practically is if you take your responsibility to fight until we can fight no more. There'll be a day when we can fight no more. But today, we have a primary, and your way of fighting is to go and vote. Uh, find out who's running, who you need to support, and at least do that. And then you can tell yourself and your children, when the time comes, I did everything I could to stop this. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.